Wow. Tough act to follow. It's the last time I'll ask you to give a testimony before I speak. <laughs> Only kidding. <clears throat> There's been a couple times when I've been doing uh, seminars in Toronto where they would pray for me and I would fall down and couldn't get up. And I, that's why I'd bring Eric along because then Eric, he'd have to take over. So good job, Eric. Well, I'm a surfer. I've been surfing for uh, over 60 years. And uh, now I'm getting to be an old surfer, <laughs> an old surfer dude. Uh, where I go surfing, they have cameras. And uh, so after a surf session, you can go check out the camera and watch yourself surf. Now, it's always easy for me to pick out myself in the crowd because I'm the only one out there with a glowing white head. <laughs> Now, as I've got older and uh, the surfing spots have become more crowded, uh, I sit further out, uh, which means I have to wait for bigger waves. And But I'm sort of by myself out there, and I use it as time of contemplation. You know, just me and the Father. And I'm saying, you know, Father, if you love me, send me a wave. <laughs> and here's what happens. I have a reputation for these waves coming to me. Uh, but once in a while, a really big wave comes. And honestly, I'm not afraid of the size of a wave. But what I'm afraid of is I'm sitting outside of maybe 50, 60, a lot of semi-pro surfers. And I'm way out there, and, I, and here this wave comes. And it's tricky to get in exactly the right spot and then catch it correctly, especially if there's a little wind on it. And so sometimes I'll get out there and that wave will come and it's not quite, you know, in the perfect spot and I just sort of let it go. And then I regret it because what happened is, you know, I got afraid. But I wasn't afraid of the wave. I was afraid of failing and making myself look silly in front of all these other people. And... So I, I've done that a couple times, but then there was this incident where I did that, and then it's like the Father spoke to me. He says, I love you, and if I send you a big wave to take off on, do not be afraid to ride it. Do not be afraid to ride it. And what I've learned from that is that we can have core fears in our life that rise up in different kinds of circumstances, and that fear that often comes from the past will rise up and keep us from fully receiving our future. And like I shared last night, my history with my father was that I had a tremendous core fear of rejection in my life. And that would rise up in times like that in my life. And I've had to learn how to defeat it by re-entering the Father's love and receiving what I'd like to talk about, the spirit of love. Last night we talked about the search for love, but especially on Pentecost uh, Sunday, we want to talk about the spirit of love. This is the, the Holy Spirit. 
in the great Trinitarian presence, there's this relationship of love. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And according to Augustine, the church father, the bond of love between them is the Holy Spirit. So why this is important is because we're going to see that in life we can face what I would call the spirit of fear, like I, I did in that little moment of surfing. But we need to experience the spirit of freedom that will set us free from our fears so that we can enter to the spirit of the Father and his love. And so I'd like to talk about that movement from the spirit of fear to receiving a spirit of freedom so that we can receive the spirit of the Father's love. Now, the spirit of fear is something that the scripture talks about, first of all, in 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the Bible tells us about the reality of fear that we have in our human condition, and it's often because of we fear punishment. It's like with my dad. I had a fear of rejection. If I, I had a fear of failure because if I failed, I would experience his rejection, which was a form of punishment to get me back into where he wanted me to be. Another scripture in the King James Version, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God, and this refers to the Father, has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So here the Bible identifies the spirit of fear. It is something that we can have to war against in this life. Now I was thinking about the spirit of fear. I think it's important for us to understand uh, a little deeper what its origins are. The fear of God the Father that he might abandon us or reject us or punish us has been embedded in mankind since the fall. Since the fall. Because when we go back to the book of Genesis, there we see Adam and Eve in the garden, and we're told that their God the Father would come and walk with them. They knew God is a loving Father. And they knew his love. But then the enemy came and tempted them to eat of the, the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, don't do this. And they sinned by taking and eating of that tree. Now, I want to take a look at where this sin comes from. Here's, they're walking with the Father, and he says, I love you. The enemy comes and says, his love is not enough. You need to find more love through doing this. And they do it. And I'll tell you that that is the very primal definition of sin. Whenever you do not believe that God loves you enough, that's what opens the door for sin. Because you'll go to do this thing or receive this thing because you think you'll find love there. And now check that out in your life. There's not a moment 
if you find yourself sinning, that you are not doubting that God's love is enough. Now, that's worth the price of admission. We can all go home now. <laughs> but the result is, he, that, is the, that was then imparted into the core of humanity. It's called original sin. And it's the original disconnect with God the Father. So all human beings, as history would unfold, have this disconnect inside. And because of it, there's this fear of God the Father. Because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They ran and hid from the Father who loved them. They were afraid of him. And uh, they were afraid of his punishment. Now, the thing is, is that God begins to show us the whole great plan of redemption by you know, having you know, uh, uh, these animal skins coming to cover them to give them the hope of redemption. But you see, that, pe- that fear permeates mankind. It's at the core of every human being. That and out of that deep place is where all fear comes from. And it's exacerbated by the enemy. The father of lies, Satan, as he's identified in the Gospel of John, has a way of exacerbating this core fear. He has used what I would call flawed fatherhood ever since to distort the image of God as a loving father, creating fears of rejection, abandonment, and punishment. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches this. When he's trying to get his disciples to pray the Our Father prayer, he realizes that they might stumble in praying to the Father because of their father history. And so he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And the obvious answer is, well, none of you would do that. There's, there should be that much inherent goodness in you. But he says, if you then, though you are evil, and in the Greek that means though you have flawed fatherhood, and the fatherhood has been flawed by sin, all there are no perfect fathers. Some are much better than others. But that flaw in them exacerbates that original core fear of God the Father, and it becomes an obstacle. And that's like what Eric was talking about, and he was freed from. It creates fears of rejection, abandonment, and punishment. And then Jesus goes on to say, If you then, though you are evil, flawed by sin know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words, how much better your your Heavenly Father is than the best earthly father. So, but this is a problem in producing fear. See, there's a core fear there already. And then the, the fear, you know, core can be enlarged through the troubles of your childhood. So this this leaves you with the core of fear. And the spirit of fear is in that. We now live in a world plagued by epidemic fatherlessness. 
exposing the core need for the Father's love. We live in an unprecedented time, like I'm saying here, of fatherlessness. And what are some of the forms it takes? Well, orphans. How many people have been orphaned uh, by their father leaving or dying? When you take a look like a, a nation like Cambodia, it, when the Khmer Rouge uh, uh, destroyed a whole generation of fathers, and when I was there, there's literally millions of orphans. These are, these are people who've grown up because of this destruction of fathers into a place of core fatherlessness. Broken homes. When we take a look even in our Western culture, even here in uh, the United States, you know, the amount of broken homes, the amount of divorces. You know, at one time, 50% of marriages would get divorced. What does that do to the child? And all of a sudden, their parents are gone and often separated from their father. And that, that exacerbates their fears. Addictions. A, a major problem. If you have an addicted father, like Eric was talking about, an alcoholic, uh, then all of a sudden it creates this sense of abandonment. There can be other types of addictions that, that take place. One is just the addiction of materialism. You can be addicted to materialism, especially in our Western culture, where you have to have more and bigger and better, more money. So you work harder, especially now. You work six days a week. You work these long hours because you're trying to get good things, and you maybe even provide for but you're not there. And it also passes on this, this whole core thing that you have to perform well to be loved. And not everyone can do that. So that creates a fearful environment. I like what Richard Rohr says. Actually, I don't know if I like it or not. It's just very true. Much of the human race experiences an immense father hunger. In all my years in ministry, working in community, leading retreats, and giving talks around the world, I have found it to be the single most prevalent absence in the human soul, and also the most painful. The father wound is so deep and so all-pervasive in so many parts of the world that its healing could well be the most radical social reform conceivable. And that's why when people look at a great end times revival, it must include the Father's love. Because it must come and meet this immense Father hunger that's unprecedented in our time. Yeah. It's, it's, but not only on that scale, but for us personally. Be, there's many here, you know what I'm talking about, experiencing the spirit of fear in some form Every day. And, and this is that under, to understand that the problem is at the core. Yes. It's in the core of your, your humanity and the disconnect from God the Father through sin. It can be in the core of your development in your family. It can be as a result of history and things that have happened to you. But you know what it is to have fear and for some it's chronic. 
And for some, it's overwhelming. And for some, it leads to suicide. The incredible suicide rates. Or the, what motivates, you know, even what we see in these mass killings. When we look at, you know, analyze the people that have committed these things, deeply wounded. Deeply wounded people. Now, so I think we, the issue is core fear. We need to understand it. And because my wife and I use this, this term, free-floating anxiety. See, when you have core fear, you have core anxiety. And it's free-floating around in your being, in your soul. And you know what? It's looking for something to connect to. So one example is, you know, if you're, you have free-floating anxiety and all of a sudden there is this big wave coming, it attaches itself too big for you to ride. See, that's free-floating anxiety, attaching itself to something. But uh, it's what happens when you watch the evening news. You know, all, you're real peaceful, and all of a sudden they, something's mentioned about, you know, it's either the, the war, the weather, you know, uh, what, how's, uh, the new strain of COVID. And, you, and I remember just the other night, I couldn't sleep, and I had aches and pains in my body, and so I just listened to that, and all of a sudden I started getting afraid. You know, oh no, I've got COVID. You know, it's the it's the enemy trying to keep me from speaking this weekend, and I just and then I have to start dismantling it because I know where it's coming from. Amen. Now, so to be aware of it that we live in a world that has many fearful things happen. There are things that happen in our life and people around, and we have to be careful not to let our fears connect to them. Because once they do, they exacerbate them and exaggerate them in our mind. And once you get in a fearful place and you try to defend yourself and you find yourself polarized in your thinking in many different areas, a lot, a lot of dualistic polarization in our country comes from people who are really afraid. And they don't know how to center themselves in love and have a sound mind. Because we're living in what I would call a state of existential fear. Existential fear is when you live in a place that's surrounded by fear. Now, a perfect example is Israel. That's where I picked up this term. Israel is a nation that lives in existential fear. Every human being has to exist and make their decisions, choices, in the fear that every nation around us wants to kill us. That's existential fear. And, and the fear is mounting around us. So we, we, have, we have an environment of fear. You know, on Channel 7, when it says the most watched program on television is the, the evening news with David Muir. Now, why? Because he, it's not probably the right term, but he, he's a fear monger. Just his tone of voice. There's not a thing that he says that, don't, that doesn't alarm you. Like, and that's why his program is so watched. And, but I'm saying it's because we live in this existential fear. So that's my point on the spirit of fear. Pretty scary. <laughs> okay, but it's a setup. It's teeing up for the second thing, 
Once we understand that, then we're going to appreciate the spirit of freedom. We're going to appreciate that the Holy Spirit can bring freedom. Can bring freedom from fear. And without the Holy Spirit, it's pretty hopeless. The Holy Spirit of God has to set us free from fear. In 2 Corinthians Where's my book, my thing here? 2 Corinthians 3.17. I'm going to have to read it with you. <laughs> On the big screen. Now, this is a great verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, I love that verse. The spirit of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And here's how it unfolds to receive this freedom. How, how God the Father has put it together and how the spirit can actualize it. The, fa- the Father has redeemed believers through the blood of Christ and we belong to Him. The Father has paid the price to redeem us, to buy us back out of sin, to break that evil connection so that we can be free of fear and fear fear of being rejected by the Father at the very core. We have to be redeemed at the very core of our being. Redeemed, freed from original sin. And the only way that can happen is through redemption, which is the price paid, and that is the blood of Christ. And that's why it's beautiful that we have communion. Because every time you take that body and that cup, and you take and partake that, you are entering into this great redemptive moment, and there's this, when the Spirit's on it, freedom's at work. Freedom's at work. See, freedom's in work at you right now, because you just took communion, and the Spirit of the Lord is saying yes to you. So, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, we see a, a, a very important movement. And Paul writes, So also, when we were underage, and it was not, we hadn't come into the full maturity of knowing the Father's love. When we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. And those are principalities and powers. And they are from the father of lies, and they are filled with fear. That is the modus operandi of spiritual darkness. Produce fear. Okay, But when the time, set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. But see, redemption precedes adoption. Yeah. 
that we have to receive the redemption. It said God sent his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption. So you see, we must make the connection of faith in the redeeming blood of Jesus. And the moment we do that, the, the core power of fear begins to be broken. Now, how does that get actualized? The Father sent the Spirit with the authority and power to rescue us from the dark forces of fear in all its forms, past, present, and future. The Spirit's job is once we have received that redeeming blood, then the Spirit of God comes and is working constantly with authority and power to rescue us from the dark forces of fear. And in Romans chapter 8, that's what we'll, and we'll see in a moment. See, we, got, we have not been given a spirit of fear, of rejection from the Father, but we have received a spirit that lets us know that we're sons. And we appropriate our freedom through appropriating the power of faith forgiveness, and the fullness of the Spirit. In order to receive this, cooperate with the Spirit, to gain this freedom, we appropriate the power of faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and even when you're dealing with fear, the first place to go, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Apply your blood to this fear by faith. And that's faith. And then there's forgiveness. Because, you see, the redeeming blood of Jesus, that's where you and I receive forgiveness. And that's half the freedom. (laughs) The other half is we use that same power of blood to forgive those that have sinned against us. To forgive our fathers for not loving us. Forgive us for anyone who has hurt us. uh, That we might be free and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to read you a beautiful story out of this wonderful book, The Father Loves, Loves You by Ed Peoric, <laughs> which is available on Amazon. It's The Father Loves You, Ed Peoric. This is a story out of the chapter The Children's Bread. And it's a story of freedom. When she first stepped out of the crowd of people coming forward for prayer, I could not hide a startled grasp. Gasp. Her body was visibly crooked, with one shoulder dipped several inches lower than the other. She was responding to an invitation John Wimber had given for people with skeletal deformities to come and receive healing prayer. I was one of the prayer team accompanying John to this healing conference in the city of Brighton, England. This was in 1985. As she stepped forward, I met her, and our team members interviewed her in order to determine how we should pray. She told us that the bones in her lower back and pelvic area had been malformed from birth. 
One leg was shorter than the other, resulting in the shoulder slump I had already noticed. We began to pray. We sensed the presence of the Lord, but no visible change was occurring. Perplexed, I asked the Lord to give us directions. Immediately the word rejection formed in my mind, and I prayed accordingly. Lord, heal her of any rejection she has experienced in her life. She screamed and slumped to the floor. I realized we had touched a deep nerve of pain running through her life. Kneeling beside her, I asked when she had experienced rejection, and she told us a story I will never forget. When I was born, I had a twin sister who was stillborn at the same time. I had skeletal formation problems, but was otherwise healthy. These problems put a financial and emotional burden on my parents. When I was five years old, I was standing outside the kitchen and I heard my father say to my mother, I'll never understand it. Why did the one with the perfectly formed body die and the one with the deformities live? I know my father was speaking out of his frustrations with the challenges of caring for me, but nevertheless, it really hurt. I've never been able to forget it. I explained the importance of forgiving her father for what he said as a step in the healing process. I told her that she had a father in heaven who wanted to touch her with his love and heal this wound of rejection. So she prayed and forgave her father. When we then prayed that the father would come, an amazing thing happened. Tears streamed down her face as the father's love began to carry away the deep pain of rejection. But as she was crying, I noticed that there was also movement in her body. I reached out and held her heel and prayed that the shortened leg would be healed. It moved. And as her cries of emotional relief deepened, her leg straightened out to its correct length. We asked the Father to pour his love into her whole life, and her bones responded with cracking sounds as the creator of the world reshaped them. When he was done, she stood, face tear-stained, shoulders perfectly level. This daughter of God had received the children's bread, the healing that flows out of the Father's love. The spirit of freedom, overpowering the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear, we have to find then the spirit of freedom, because then we can move into where we're destined, to experience the spirit of the Father's love. The spirit of the Father's love. In Romans 8, Verses 14 through 16, these familiar verses. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who received you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. 
Rather, the spirit you received brought out your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, this is the work of the spirit that, as we've seen, releases us from fear. But it's the work of the spirit that's primary intention is to bring us into our Father's love. And this is to make, the, make that connection that was lost in the garden with each one of us through the redeeming blood of Christ. I like what Bill Johnson says about this beautiful movement to the Father. Jesus reveals a Father who is not abusive or self-serving. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, reaffirms the wonder and beauty of this perfectly good Father. The work that He is doing in us is all about, the work of the Holy Spirit is all about our deepening connection to the Father. The revelation of God as Father is the ultimate expression of the goodness of God. That is the spirit of love. That is what the intention of God is towards all of us. You see, the spirit actualizes our adoption by bringing us into the very living, loving presence of our Father. See, that's what was lost in the garden. And the spirit, if he wants to keep us away from that, but the spirit of God wants to release us from the spirit of fear and bring us back to our Father, that we can have that same intimacy that was lost. And that's what when Paul uses this word, that the Spirit of God brings about adoption. The word adoption, literally, huiothesia in the Greek, means the placement of a son in the presence of their father. And because there are no male or female in Christ, it's sons and daughters, all children of God, are placed in the literal presence of God. That's where we're intended to be. The Spirit affirms our new identity as a beloved son or daughter of the Father. He gives a strong evidence or witness to us. And there's, you know, we can learn a lot about sonship and daughtership. But it, it's all so much intellectual language because we, we can try to live that out on a horizontal level. I'm going to try to be a good son or good daughter, live out my sonship with my authority. But there's nothing that activates it more than this vertical visitation of the Father's love that hits the heart. And that changes everything. And that's like last night when I was saying that Sid Roth and some of these others are saying, this is a new message. It's because I'm not talking about a horizontal psychological dynamic or just motivated to spread the kingdom of God with the authority of Jesus. It's about the spirit of the Father wants to be in your heart. And when that heart transaction takes place, you will do your kingdom purpose. That's where love leads. Love leads into the fulfillment of our destiny. And once the Spirit is there, the Spirit attends to our ongoing intimacy with our good Father. The Spirit will, will keep us in this wonderful relationship where all of a sudden, God the Father becomes Abba. Oh, Abba. He's our Daddy. 
we have this intimacy with him forever. And, you know, coming into this experience, it's like, for me, it was quite dramatic. Of course, every, I'm quite dramatic in everything, right, Janet? <laughs> when I'm aching or hurting or whatever, quite dramatic. But, but it was a beautiful moment. Mike's experience, I love it because he shares it most every week, and I love it every time I hear it. <laughs> Sometimes with more drama than others. But see, we, have, we can have these beautiful dramatic experiences. They're awesome. But it can come in such other simple, beautiful ways to experience this, to come out of the spirit of fear, to be set free and to experience the spirit of the Father's love. Uh, I just think of what a conference I was at a year or so ago. And people came up for ministry and I'll never forget this one man, an Hispanic man, maybe 60 years old. I could tell, you know, by his calloused hands that he worked hard probably in the ground. He could barely speak much English. And he comes up, at, you know, like in a meeting like this, and we're talking about the thing of historical father stuff and finding the father. And he comes up to me and he, he, he broken English, he says, I am a father. I love my son. I, I have no father to love me. I need the father's love. And I said, I just put my hand on her. I said, Father, Father, pour out your love into his heart. He was just melted. That's all he said. He says, he says I have a father. I love my son, but I have no father to love me. And I could tell that was the history of his life. And he, he, had, he had not connected. He says, I need this father. It was a beautiful moment. And it was just, there it is. And then there, there was this woman who came up a little later. And she said, I've listened to your message, but I, I, can't, I can't receive it. And she says, I cannot call God father. Because I could tell that she had such a history that she couldn't even speak that word. Now that could be a really radical thing requiring a lot of counsel and a lot of power. But I said, can you call him Abba? And she said, yes. And we just went right around the whole thing. And, And she just said, Abba. And the spirit fell on her just melted her. And, 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 I, and I share that because that's, it's God. It's, it's the Father coming. He's sending His Spirit to release you from fear. He's provided Jesus' redeeming blood to give you freedom. And when you come to the Father simply in the name of Jesus, He is so eager to have the Spirit set you free with His love. Let's stand. And I'd like the worship team to return. Let's just close our eyes and be 
silent. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, come now to do the work that you you do. Come to set us free from the spirit of fear. Come, Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, to release the power of your blood in this room. to break the power of fear. And Father, in your jealous love, would you begin to reach out in this room and, and set your children free that they might come to you as you come to them. Now I have a prayer that I'm going to pray with you. And the way this works is I will pray a line and then you pray it. And this is the prayer of response to this message. And this is a prayer that will be heard here and now. This moment is is a moment to receive love to receive freedom from fear, whatever it might be, and go to the very core of your being. So if you could just close your eyes and raise your hands in the presence of the Holy Spirit. A simple prayer. But if it's the prayer of your heart, then after I pray the line, then you pray in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, you have redeemed me. You have forgiven my sins. You ask me to forgive my father for any sins that caused me pain. I do so now. Our second prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of Adoption. Come in power and love. Deliver me from my fears. Bring healing to my heart. Bring me into Abba's embrace. In our final prayer, my Father in heaven, I stand before you now 
I ask that you make my adoption real. I ask that you would bless me. Bless me as your beloved child. Now by the authority that God has given me, I bless your prayer. I proclaim the power of the redeeming blood of Jesus over your life. And I say, come Holy Spirit, empower the faith, empower the blood that has redeemed us. Come Holy Spirit, spirit of freedom, and set every person here from these core fears and from these fears that are going through this very day. Break the power of fear in this place. Break the power of fearful things. And like in that story, would you bring healing to the pain? Would you bring help? Would you deliver us from fears? And I pray now, Father, that over each person in this room, you would pronounce them, I have adopted you. You are mine. Fear will never rule over your life. I release you from fear. And the Father says, I receive you in love. I proclaim over you, I love you, my son, my daughter. And I bless you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the love of your Abba Father. And now I ask that you do a a particular work, Holy Spirit. For some of you, you have... You're ensnared by, by fears. They, they are snares that have reached out from the core of your being and they come up and snare you and drag you into a fearful place of rejection or abandonment. Uh, they drag you into places of pain and suffering and bring tremendous fear to you. But today, I break the power of that, that connection from that core that you would be free to move forward in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do His work in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do His work in your life. Receive the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And I just want to invite those of you that want to walk out of your fear. You want to walk out of that snare of fear that you find yourself entangled with. It's it's chronic in so many ways. You can step out of your fear by faith and come forward by faith and receive the spirit of fear. You can come forward. Those of you that have never received this beautiful baptism of love of the Father, come forward by faith. Step out of your childhood fears. Step out of these 
painful memories. Come forward. Step out of your fears. Come forward and receive the Father's embrace. Receive the Father's embrace. Those of you that are living in fearful places, in your illness, in your jobs, you find yourself in, in this uh, uh, whole uh, world we're living in. The fears that constantly come up. Those who feel like I'm living in fear all the time, come forward and be set free. As you come forward, you come into freedom. As people come forward, I'd like to have the ministry team come and pronounce freedom over each person that comes. Pronounce freedom over them. Release love to them. I just invite the spirit, I mean the ministry team come forward and minister. And the worship team is going to be is going to start worshiping and singing over you. And so at this point You can come forward and receive ministry. And I just encourage you, do not leave this place with those those fearful places intact. Do not go out of this place with those childhood fears. Be set free by faith. You're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to the Spirit. You're saying yes to the Father. And so I'm going to dismiss the meeting. Those that want to come forward, you can come forward. Those who just want to stay and linger in the worship and let the Spirit do His ministry with you, right where you're at, you can just stay there. But for the rest, I pray that you will go with the Spirit of love resting on you because the Father has brought you here to, for that reason. And you're going to go home and the spirit of his love is going to keep working in you. So I bless you with that wonderful love of the Father. And remember tonight, the Pentecost Sunday meeting. More, Lord. Bless you. Amen.